There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, friends, and welcome back for season three of Quit Your Day Job. I am your host, Alicia Fernandez-Miranda. In this podcast, you'll learn all about the fascinating jobs that people do, some that you might never have even heard of, as you contemplate your own personal and professional future. I started this podcast because I've always been fascinated by jobs. I even quit my own day job to spend a year as an intern. You can read all about it in my new book, My What If Year. It comes out on February 7th, and you can pre-order it right now, everywhere books are sold, or head over to my website, aliciafmiranda.com, for more information. Go ahead, I'll wait. In these times of quiet quitting and great resignations and loud quitting or whatever, I think more people than ever want to follow their passions. Everyone on this podcast has, and I encourage you to do the same. Hi, everybody. I have to tell you there is something about Jill, and the Jill I'm talking about is Jill Gonzalez. She has both a day job and a night job. So Jill talks personal finance as a reporter by day and shares personal grievances as a comedian by night. She started her comedy career in the nation's capital and has since traveled the country performing stand-up. Jill has opened for Bravo TV stars like Hannah Burner to the roast master himself, Jeff Ross. She's also been seen on Good Morning America and heard on Sirius XM and ESPN Radio. Jill is known for bringing her wit, style, and fatalism from stage to TV and back again. And she definitely did that in this interview. Apologies in advance for all the laughter on my side. I really couldn't help myself. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Quit Your Day Job. I am thrilled, delighted, overwhelmed with pride and joy to have Jill Gonzalez here with us. So Jill and I met this summer in Copenhagen. Yeah, right? Yes, that makes me sound so much more well-traveled than I am. <laughs> I don't know. You also went to Germany on that trip, so you had a nice a nice little summer of travel. I love being able to say that to people like, oh, we met up in Copenhagen. I saw her again in New York, and I was immediately fascinated by you and your career. You are a comedian. You are so many other things, and I just cannot wait to hear all about your story, your life, and your job, and you can be as funny or unfunny as you'd like to on this podcast. Perfect. I wish they told me that every night, <laughs> but that's not what they say. All right. So please, please, please be funny. (laughs) Please, please funny as possible. Well, you are extremely funny. And so before we get into learning all about the ins and outs of the comedy life, I have a little game of this or that for you. So just a little little warm-up, a little warm-up to the discussion. I'm gonna give you two things and you just tell me the first that comes to your mind and why. Maybe it's which one you prefer, maybe not, but shall we give it a go? Let's give it a go. Okay. First one, New York or New Jersey? Oh, man. You're really starting with the (laughs) the biggest questions in life. I'm going to say 
New Jersey because I do think that will be the last state standing <laughs> in our upcoming civil war. It's just so radioactive that nothing can kill us. <laughs> that's an excellent theory. And now I'm going to start thinking about the last state standing, but maybe that's a plea to move to New Jersey. That's very, that's okay. Good one, Jill. Okay, so you have more than one job, which we're going to hear about on this podcast. So serious Jill or funny Jill? There is not really a serious Jill, so I couldn't pick her. Um, much to my day job's chagrin, I don't think they like that. So I'm going to go funny. All right. I like funny Jill, too. That's the only Jill I've ever met. I don't really know what serious Jill is even like. Hey. Or non-existent. Okay, so uh, with reference to your day job, which is uh, in reporting and you do a lot of financial news, so stocks or bonds? Oh, God, they both sound terrible. <laughs> Uh, I would say stocks because it's easier to make fun of people who are really obsessed with the stock market and it's harder to date them. <laughs> They're going to have to edit me out laughing on this podcast. It's going to be really annoying for the editor. Sorry, guys. Okay. Uh, improv or scripted comedy? I would say you know, a mix of two is ideal. I write more scripts. So I'm going to say scripted comedy, but, you know, on stage, we all do. We all do a little improv here and there. The rowdy heckler or something. Mm. So like, I'll, go, I'll go scripted, but I like the two together. Nice. And then finally, this is not a this or that question, but uh, I need to know if you have a dog. And if so, what is its middle name? Wow. I don't have a dog. And I wouldn't give it a middle name because I'm not that white. I know I look, I don't know if your people can see, I'm wearing a Palm Springs off the shoulder tie-dye sweatshirt. So it seems like I have a dog with a middle name, but I don't. My dog would have one name, like Wawa or Benny or something. I love it. And uh, this is in reference, by the way, to a very hilarious joke, a uh, whole bit that Jill does about dogs' middle names, which I encourage you to look up on her Instagram and YouTube channel. So congrats, Jill. You've passed the this or that. I see you taking a big sip of your coffee. Did you need one? Is there alcohol in there to fortify you for what's coming next? Okay. I know it's like 3 p.m. your time, but it's 11.15 over here. <laughs> It's And it's not even coffee because my stomach can't really handle that. So it's just tea. Oh, that's adorable. In, a, yeah. in, a, in an Oscar Mayer mug. All right. Well, you passed the this or that. Congratulations. So, Jill, let's get into it. Tell me, uh, how do you describe your job or jobs, I might say? I like to say that by, by day, I talk about personal finances. And then by night, I talk about personal grievances. <laughs> uh, so that is... What I've come to do, I, I unfortunately have not gotten to the point of quitting my day job yet. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm in the media. I talk about personal finance. So what that means is I essentially, you know, talk to the average Joe, mm. really dumb everything down for him. And you notice I'm saying him because she's got it. <laughs> <laughs> she does. So, you know, I'll, I'll talk about what does inflation mean for your family? It's all pretty scary. <laughs> Whoever I'm talking to, like, I'm not the person asking the questions. I'm the person answering them. Right. So like the anchor, a lot of the times is like trying to scare people. And I have to be like, you know, we're all in the same boat. 
Everything's fine. Everything's fine, everybody. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. What do you, what do you need? Gas and groceries? Calm down. (laughs) Um, So that's what I do a lot of. And I used to go into the studio a lot more Mm pre-pandemic. And now it's a lot of Zoom or they send me like a little mobile studio, which is like a van with two Serbian men that kind of just put me in the van and I'm in there for an hour and then I walk out and all my neighbors are like, it feels like a lot of kidnappings might start that way. Yeah. It's very lower East Not side, necessarily which is the live, so. Serbian men, just the van, singing in van portion of the. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. You're a lot closer to Serbia than I am. So you, you got to watch your back. I'm totally. glad that you put that disclosure out there. Keep that in there, editors. <laughs> okay. So that's your day job. That's my day job. And then by night, I do stand-up comedy. I started in D.C. and then moved to New York the height of the pandemic. So it was a lot of park shows first getting started and Zoom comedy shows, which are exactly as fun as they sound. Wow. Yeah, but I mean, more and more, it's kind of taking over my days. I do a lot of sketch writing and sketch comedy, which typically is filmed during the day. Um, constantly submitting for things. Some of them I book that so far has only involved hot dogs. And most I don't book. <laughs> and that's that. That's very but similar yeah, it's like to a lot the of writing. writing. Similar to the writing life, lots and lots and lots of rejection punctuated by the occasional non-rejection if you're lucky. Yeah, exactly. And I do have to do a lot of writing now just for my own stand up and then for other people I do a lot of roast battles so I'm constantly writing down mean things about people which I don't know how good that is for me mentally but um yeah so hopefully soon it can just be my day job and my night job so how did you get into this did you like dream of being a comedian as a little girl growing up in the most radioactive state in the country yeah, such delusions. That's what happens to your mind in New Jersey. You're like, oh, I can do anything. But yeah, I remember I was like, my first stand-up that I like watched and loved was Wanda Sykes when I was in like sixth grade. And she had this great bit about like, they have cover for strip clubs and they were charging the women to get in. And she was like, I got my own damn titties. And I would walk around sixth grade being like, I got my own damn titties. <laughs> and they were like, babe, no, you don't. <laughs> Not yet. Yeah. So I always wanted to do it, but I always, you know, I was doing, you know, I went to college. I started off as a sports reporter. I got a sports reporting gig, changed to a finance gig, you know, had like boyfriends and parents that I didn't want to ruffle any fetish with. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, I, my mom died and I broke up with my boyfriend. And then I was like, guess what I can do now? That's, that's And it. like the, the next week I was on stage. Wow. So did you just, how did you get started? Did you just like go to like open mic nights? Like how does it work? I was lucky to start in DC, which has a very structured comedy scene. And also just great, really funny comedians and really smart audiences. So that's kind of the trifecta. And there's this one open mic there. It's on Monday night. 
and it's called the comedy shuffle. And there's like seasoned comedians, there's brand new people as I was, and you can go up and do like anywhere from one to five minutes. Like Mm. someone will cut you off if you're stopping funny after one minute. (laughs) And I went up, I had my little type five ready that I had written like the week before and like really practiced. And they, they let me do my full five and I killed it. Yeah. Which it's easy to do your first time. (laughs) Why is that? I don't know. There's something about your first, I've seen it to happen to a lot of young comedians where you just like have something about you and you, it's probably your funniest stuff, right? Like Mm. you, I've been thinking about this for 27 years, you know, it's harder to, you know, after all of that material is done to then, you know, think of others. So I think it's, it can be easy. Yeah. And then I was hooked and then I really hit the ground running and started doing it, you know, four or five nights a week, trying to get up multiple times a night. And that was really good for me. Were you afraid? Were you just, I mean, I, the idea of doing stand-up comedy and waiting for people to laugh seems terrifying to me. Absolutely terrifying. Were, were you afraid or were you just like, no, I'm going for it. Like, I have nothing to lose. Yeah, it was the latter. I wasn't afraid. I think being like on camera for so many years prior and like being in live situations helped me. Mm. So yeah, I wasn't afraid at all. And now I'm really not afraid, which... Unless I have a big show. I've been, I have had some bigger ones lately where I'm nervous. Mm. And I don't do as well when I'm nervous. So, Is it the, is it the size of the crowd? That's what makes you nervous? Like if you have a bigger crowd, you get more nervous? It can be the size of the crowd, but more so like the venue. Mm. Like I've had, I've done, I've had the pleasure of doing a couple of like comedy seller shows lately. And there's just like so much pressure on that. And like, being good at this institution, mm. then that's probably when I'm nervous. How do you come up with your material and how much do you kind of, do you just sort of throw things in, you'll workshop them and see how they go? Like, how does that process work for you? Yeah, I usually start with a joke or like, you know, the heart of a bit and I'll try to throw it in, you know, in the middle of a set, you know, so I kind of sandwich it between material that I know is going to work mm. And then I just keep growing that. I won't like have a set time where I write every day. Maybe I should. But like, I don't, the jokes that have done well for me, like tend to just come to me from whatever experiences I had that day or something. Right. So if I'm like sitting down to write, it feels like a lot more forced. So how will you have planned these jokes like really far in advance or could something happen in afternoon and you're just going to go for it later that evening if you have a set? Generally that. Wow. I like to try it when it's new. And it just depends what's going on in my life. I I find that I get super sick of my jokes relatively quickly. Mm. And I think the audience can tell, you know, like if I, if there's, if something happened a while ago and I'm still talking about it, I'm not into it. And yeah. I think everyone can tell. So I like to just, you know, like I'm talking to anyone and be talking about things that are happening to me, happening in the world. So I think that makes it better for everyone. I mean, there's been times where I'm on the way. The first time I ever hosted at Comedy Cellar, I was walking from another show just down the block. And I was being, you know, a little, I think a little showy. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I have to go now because I'm going to the Comedy Cellar. <laughs> 
So I'm like, I walk out of the club. There is truly like 800 feet between these places. And a homeless man punched me and kicked me in the leg. What? And I was like, you know what? I needed that. (laughs) So did you go on and talk, tell that story at the comedy cellar? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I was just, it just happened. And the, Keep in mind, this was not one of my homeless friends because I have a lot of those. This was like a new guy on the block. A and then my stranger. other homeless friends came, ran over to me. They're like, we don't know him. Oh my <laughs> they were God. like defending their honor. And a, a cop had seen it. He rushed over and he was like, okay, can you like hold on a second? He just like did the same thing to these other women. Like we want a statement from all of you. And I was like, I have to go. I have a gig. <laughs> I can't I, stay. I'm hosting. And he's like, what? <laughs> so I, then I like run into the comedy cellar. Yeah. And that actually was good because I think I was so nervous. Mm. Then immediately was like, all right, there's other things going on. <laughs> it's an hour. It'll be okay. <laughs> so your comedy is very personal. It's maybe you could, some of it's very provocative. I've watched a bunch of routines last night, which I really enjoyed, but you're joking about race, abortion, obviously dogs, middle names, a big topic. Is there anything that you won't joke about? No, I don't think so. Though I have trouble joking about some things just because I definitely don't want to be mean to anyone. Hmm. So like my dad, my mom, you know, if I'm in a relationship at the time and then their families. (laughs) So there's things I definitely would want to tread lightly about or have trouble talking about. And because I just want it to be, you know, there's a stage with any joke where it's not the best it is, Mm. you know, you need to tell it a bunch of times, you need to tweak some wording. So it's that in between time when I'm like, I just don't ever want this to come across as mean or you know not in the best light and to get a joke good it has to come across not not 100 for like a little bit right so that's where i struggle so yeah that those are the other things i struggle with but i still talk about them has your does your dad come see your comedy how does your family like feel about the fact that this is your job I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Um, he has seen a couple shows. He's always been super, super supportive. So yeah, he, and he's a, well, he's a picky one. He's a, a picky theater goer. <laughs> so yeah, he, he's seen them and he'll have like notes for me. 
That's so amazing. he's great. Yeah. But yeah, my whole family has been super supportive about that. I have like cousins that live in deep Brooklyn that make it to shows sometimes. So yeah, everyone's been really good about it. And do you, you mentioned kind of having to improvise sometimes when you have hecklers in the audience, like what, what goes through your head when if, does it one, does this happen to you a lot? Like, do you think it happens an average amount? Do you think it happens more to you because you're a woman, a young woman? Like how, how does that happen? Don't you know, how often does it happen? And then what do you do about it and how do you kind of react? Yeah, I would say it depends on the shows that I'm doing. I mean, it happens, I would say, at least once, twice a week. But, you know, if I'm doing a bunch of shows at midnight where everyone's wasted, Hmm. probably going to happen more when I'm doing, you know, a 7 p.m. Wednesday show when everyone isn't drunk enough, because that's also bad. Yeah. Unless they're me, who's obviously starting drinking at 3 o'clock over here in Scotland, so. Yeah, no, you would be perfect. (laughs) So, yeah, it happens, yeah, especially if I'm doing, like, later shows, like, in the village, then that happens. Or if if there's a lot of gay people in the audience, they love, they're not being mean. They're just like, I know that's right. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> can you say that after the punchline? So yeah, I'd say it's either late shows or predominantly gay audience shows where I get the most heckling. And what do you, how do you decide like you're going to respond to somebody and bring them into your routine? Like you're going to make a joke of it. And how do you, you know, there's got to be some noises that you just like let go. Or no? Not really. You bring it on. I I just feel like, you know, everyone heard it. So let's address it. You know, like if I burped on stage, I wouldn't be like, anyway, like you heard it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Has that ever happened to you? Burping? Yeah. And then you have to make a joke about it. I think one time I had like a weird hiccup thing happen. And I... Was, I think I just started talking about how I kind of had a seizure because the lighting in the place was insane. <laughs> and I was like, and you know what? Let's talk about that. It's just funny to like, because like everyone is having that shared experience. Mm. So it's funny when you like don't address something or, you know, I've done comedy shows in the weirdest, weirdest places, like in people's houses, in the Central Park in like hotel lobbies with like people checking in oh in the background. God. It's like, what's going on here? So just like addressing th- things that we can all see in here, I think is very important. Is there any gig you would, that you wouldn't do? Like, would, do you say yes to everything that comes your way? I say yes to everything. Cause I just, I mean, I've, I've only been doing it for like a little over three years. Mm. So to most people, like, that's a little comedy baby. Mm. So I'm too young to be saying no to things. And yeah, every gig is good. You know, I mean, there are some weird ones, but it's all helpful. Have you ever bombed a gig? Oh my God, all the time. All the time, like twice a week. <laughs> and how do you, how do you deal with that? Do you just, you try not to let it bother you? Like, do you, what do you do when you get home after you feel like you bombed? It depends. So like there's good bombs and bad bombs. Okay. Right. Sometimes it really is a bad audience. (laughs) So if you have like other good comedians on the lineup and none of you are getting laughs, but like you're laughing at them and like you know that they have good jokes Mm -hmm. and they know that you have good jokes, then 
That's it's not fine. it's not you. It's them. Yeah. Yeah. That's not as common though. And sometimes it's just, you know, you bombing. So it was sometimes I think for me, it's because I've been like too nervous if it's like a big club or I'm not just not adapting to what the audience wants. Mm. You know, like there is a difference between a 7 p.m. Wednesday show where 50% of the crowd is a tourist and everyone's too sober. You know, those jokes that you're going to tell are different than your midnight wasted crowd jokes. So if you are planning to do the same set in each, unless, you know, you are super, 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 super funny, which should be the goal, you might have to switch it up a little bit. Right. So you have to be willing to do that. And, you know, if I'm not, (laughs) cause if you come in, I come in with like, I really want to know if these three new jokes are funny. Mm -hmm. And if your set goes in a way where you can't work them in, you know, like you either get the crowd or you get kind of what you came there to do. Sometimes it's not both. So yeah. But yeah, all the time. I just, I think, I think it's just amazing what, I mean, I'm sure you hear this all the time, but like what a thick skin you have to have to put a joke out there and, you know, worry that it's not going to be funny. And I just think it's like incredibly brave. Like the job you do is like so, well, it's kind of like writing memoir, although you work and work and work and work for like a long time. And a lot of people look at your book before it goes out, but you're every single night or, you know, as many times a week as you can constantly testing you know, maybe something doesn't land, you have to try something different. And I just feel like that takes a huge amount of bravery, like professional bravery and personal bravery to be able to do that. So hats off to you, Jill. Well, thank you. I think, I think I spend all day not taking anything personally. And then at night is when I'm like, okay, I would love to not take this personally, but you didn't like my whole personality up there (laughs) (laughs) or my, or everything about my life. So I think there's a good balance yeah. and I think that's why I need to do it. And is the dream I just so it's I just recorded a podcast before this with a woman who has this whole like visual illustration mechanism of drawing your future and one of the things that she said that you have to do is like fantasize constantly about the big thing you want. What is like your what is your professional fantasy with this? What's like the big dream for you in terms of what you want to do with your career? The, a place First you want to perform or like, you know. That is not my method. That seems like <laughs> a way to really, really let yourself down. But well, this, we, we talked about this too, actually, which was that like, <laughs> I, I I often find myself not doing that because I don't want to be disappointed if that thing doesn't work out. But she was like, no, no, you have to do that. You have to do it. You have to fantasize. So do you want to share your big fantasy or maybe a small a small fantasy? Yeah, I mean, I moved here to really combine what I, the two things that I like. So, you know, that's essentially journalism and comedy. Mm. So being like a weekend update anchor on SNL or being a correspondent on The Daily Show, you know, those would be at least I think what would, would be a really good next thing for me, but also like a huge deal. <laughs> And then I can go on to do like mayonnaise commercials or rising commercials like all of the SNL people do. You're thinking too big. You're thinking too big with a mayonnaise commercial. <laughs> Stick to hot They're dogs. Like, Jill, stay in your lane. 
Yeah. Me fantasizing about mayonnaise is not new, by the way. <laughs> so that would that would be good for me. I would really like that. Um, but yeah, to be able to kind of bring those mm. two things together. All right. I look that forward to playing this podcast for people once you do get one of those jobs. And then we can thank Patty Dobrovolsky, who is the person who talked about the whole Draw Your Future thing in on that episode. Jill, this has been amazing. I want to end with, you know, I think a lot of people are fascinated by stand-up comedy. I think a lot of people think they're very funny, whether they are or not, is maybe a question of debate. What uh, kind of practical tips would you give someone who's interested in comedy and wants to start and break into the field? Like, what should they do today or in the next few days or weeks? Number one is don't. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, if you don't obey that, just start, you know, it's one thing to be like, I can tell this story and be funny, but it's another thing to do it in front of a lot of people and making sure that you have laugh breaks. So just like start writing things down, you know, saying them out loud, saying them in the mirror. I did that. Seeing them when you're like driving. I did that. Maybe not talking to yourself on the subway because that's not going to look good. But yeah, just start writing it down, talking through it. I guarantee wherever you are in the UK or in the States or in Serbia, even there is an outlet for you. Uh, so you just have to find where, what, what small bar basement that is near you and just go try it out. Amazing. Well, Jill, I hope to manifest you into Fringe Festival next summer, as well as like all these other great things that you want to do. Thank you so much for coming on Quit Your Day Job. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Quit Your Day Job. We are a Zibby Audio production, and we want to send a huge thanks to Zibby Owens, Chelsea Grogan, and the team at Texture Sound for their support. Don't forget to pre-order my What If Year, sign up for my mailing list on aliciafmiranda.com, and find me on Instagram, at aliciafmiranda. It's the best place to find news about my wild upcoming book tour, future podcasts, and of course, memes about Gilmore Girls and coffee. And if you decide to quit your day job, please share that too. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.